Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Janet Fields with Oak Trust Properties. And uh, you're going to help us here today with how to sniff out a lackluster property manager. And that's, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of people riveted to this episode because this is an ongoing thing that we, we all as real estate investors have to deal with. So thank you so much for being with your, me here today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So I got to start things off is uh, you must be a glutton for punishment to get into this type of business. Yes. Yes. You definitely take your <laughs> lickings and you just keep going. Uh, baptism by fire is the way to go. Yes, sir. There's a lot of eating. How did, how did you get into this? This, I don't actually know that I had much of a choice in the matter. Uh, my dad started out in real estate. He moved around a lot with military. And as he moved around, he uh, really got hooked to hooked on the process of buying and selling homes. Uh, once we got to Charleston, I was just born, but my mom was like, hey, we're not going to move anymore. And my dad still had this itch to help buy and sell. So he got his license, helped other people do it, eventually started doing getting his own properties. Uh, it became a family affair to like flip these properties physically each summer. And then um, about a decade after that, he started um, his own company and we were doing everything. Uh, we were running the books. We were stuffing envelopes. We were sending out uh, those nice friendly letters to, hey, pay your rent. Uh, making phone calls, doing data migrations. I learned how to change locks at 16, cut grass, trashing out homes, doing inspections, just like every aspect of the business very early in life. And uh, it's been quite an adventure. It's been a um, a family affair. Along the way, my sisters have found um, other avenues to make money. They've they didn't really want to stick around, but me, um, I'm not a quitter. So here I am just taking the beatings over and over again, learning and just pushing forward. Right. So if you want more information regarding what everybody does there at Oak Trust Properties, head over to oaktrustproperties.com. And uh, there's quite a few resources there. So it's a good place to follow along if, if people uh, were have some interest there. But uh, first of all, Annette, what, what I'm always curious about is what you do and to to make sure that interests are aligned with the real estate investors because sometimes maybe I'm a little soured on some you know I, I have property managers but sometimes it, it it finds out that our interests are not always aligned yeah what do you mean by that can you elaborate so I can understand what exactly point of well conflict? you know we, we're as real estate investors we're always looking and and concerned about cash flow. Yes. But to be honest with you, sometimes I've run into property managers that they're more concerned about billing hours and growing their business than it is about making sure things are running smoothly on, on my property mm -hmm. cash flow end. Yeah, that's very interesting because if your client is not successful, then obviously you can't be successful. That's not a long-term relationship that's going to last. So um, in order to be good at your business, you need to be really good at serving and anticipating other people's needs. So that's that's a very um, disturbing to hear and a little, a little sad, actually. Yeah. So learning about who your client is and who you want and really targeting and honing in on who that best client fit is, is the best way to move forward. If 
you're only focusing on yourself, then you can't really deliver results for somebody else. So I totally agree to that. Yeah. We do need to both make money. It does need to be a back and forth, but it has to be um, a healthy give and take and a healthy relationship moving forward together. Yeah. I don't mean to start things off with such a heavy topic, but but I, I appreciate the answer. So, you know, a, a lot of people, when they start into real estate investing, they're doing this for the first time and they're, and, you know, I think there's a lot to be learned, especially early on to manage your own properties for that first one or one or two, just so that the, they know the pain that you obviously go through. At what point do you feel that they should start to ask themselves when they should be uh, considering a property manager? Oh my gosh, before I even start, honestly, um, a lot of people hop into, um, they find themselves in investing properties by accident. We find that 80% of the people that we deal with and that come to us are accidental landlords. Um, and they did not run numbers in the front end, do their homework to find out if this property was profitable. They found a property that grabbed their heartstrings and they wanted it as a home instead of an investment. So they saw a product instead of numbers that are going get to get them to their goal. So when you have somebody like that, they're under stress pretty quickly because they didn't run all the numbers. They're not going to be in the black, most likely. There's things that brought value to their lifestyle, but not really value to get them closer to their financial goals. So those things are conflicting when they're distracted by you know numbers that don't really help achieve financial stability or financial growth. Yeah. I usually, when somebody's asked me about this, I've always asked, told them to contact some of their local uh, property managers, understand like what you, what they charge for that type of service. Yeah. And even if they don't use property management right off, at least they make sure you're running your property with those numbers in mind, even down the road. I mean, yeah. that, that's something you probably should account for eventually. Absolutely. Make some phone calls, uh, grab some management agreements. Management agreements tell you how they will function. Also, there's a lot of things on fees in there. And those fees are, you know, no matter you use a property manager or not, those fees are attached to expenses that you already have. So that can help you predict where cost will lie for you if you've never done this before. So it's a good little number story for you. So if you take three management agreements and kind of lay them out in a number story, you can figure out what to possibly expect. Sure. So outside of what you just brought brought up there, uh, what are like the top three questions a person should ask when when evaluating a property manager? Yeah, everybody wants to know the fees. I mean, that's a really big one. That leasing fee and the management fee, um, those are pretty standard. You know, per state, uh, they're pretty standard. Per region, they're pretty standard. So you're going to want to know those because they're your heaviest fees. But the things that you're also going to want to know are, does your property manager know about losses for you? Do they know about um, days on the market and rent losses? Do do they have goals? Like, what are they trying to achieve? Are they trying to, you know, be super efficient to reduce losses for you? Are they trying to reduce risk for you by staying up to date with risk with regulation? Are they processing applications um, in a way that, it's extremely consistent and they're protecting you from any of the data that could be um, used against them later in court, stuff like that. It's like, we really need to help guide you and protect you from, from any of the risk or also time sucks. Right. So with that being said, you know, that's some great insight there, but what would you say when you're choosing a new property manager, are there any red flags or warning, warning Mm -hmm. lights that we need to be aware of if you're choosing? 
Yeah. If they're not returning your calls, that's a huge one. That means they're not reliable and they're not going to be able to serve you because you need somebody to give you back your time. You're leveraging your time and money. So you want them to be able to make phone calls back. You want them to bring you solutions. You shouldn't be managing them. If you're managing them, just go hire an employee and teach them how to do it. So when you're you're basically outsourcing this task to somebody who already knows how to take control of it. So they need to be coming to you with solutions saying, here's your, your top level solution. Here's B and C. This is what they look like if you go down these paths. Now, which one do you want to move forward with? Okay, that's where you want to go. All right, let me get this ball rolling and I will tell you when A, B, and C happens and I'll send you the invoices and you'll know and we have it all on file for you. Sure. So being super proactive, being a great communicator and telling you what to expect and delivering on that timeline is what you want. Just a reminder for everybody, head over to oaktrustproperties.com for some more information on Janet and her team. There's quite a bit of content there. So uh, things that uh, really, really stood out. Uh, And uh, I really like your website. There's a lot of transparency going on here. Thank you. We just did it um, last year and uh, we're pretty proud of it. So let's say you're, you're in the situation like I was, where we're dealing with some property managers and and uh, you just realize this isn't a good fit. What are what are some of those things that a person should probably be aware of to, to give them that red flag to know that it's not a good fit? If they can't follow the lease, if you're telling them what to do and how to solve these problems, that's definitely a red flag. Uh, if they can't collect rent on time, that's a huge red flag. If they're letting you approve applications, uh, that's a big one because now liability is back on you and you hired them to reduce that liability. You want them to take you bear the brunt there. You definitely want them to be brave enough to have those hard conversations with the residents to say, hey, you're not following the lease. When you it's time to increase rents, you need to have them to go bat for you. You need to have them be brave enough so they can do that because no one actually wants to do that. That's not a fun conversation. So you need somebody who's going to bring in the value and to be able to help focus on what is bringing you the return and what's just a distraction. So, you know, with the last couple of years, I always have to have this as top of mind too. How do you, you and your, your owners prepare for these unforeseen circumstances like we, we saw with COVID? Yeah, you just have to put money away and um, have options. If you don't have options, then you really don't have any power in this world or freedom. So you always just have to plan for the worst, have a little money tucked away, um, decide X months income for this, just always have options and money is power. So you need to have the, you know, the old FU money. If you need to get out, you need to get out. If you need to pivot, you, you need to have money there to do it. If you're so tight that you don't have options, it's not right for you. Right. And that goes back to, you really make your money when you buy that place. So you make sure you're running these numbers. Correct. Yes. So tell me about like some of your most successful uh, partnerships that you have going on right now. How how have you helped your real estate investors do this? I mean, uh, we, I'm sure you're being relied on quite heavily to to ensure that the cash flow is there. Yes. Um, so a lot of our our current uh, portfolio is our accidental landlord. So there's a lot of coaching through how this relationship works, how powerful your property can be for you. And sometimes it's a really hard conversation saying that, hey, maybe this property isn't the right property. And if you would like to um, continue down this avenue, maybe we need to make some adjustments here. Um, Like this might not be the property that cash flows for you, but you can make a sale and buy a property that is more appropriate and that you can move forward with. Um, and be way less stressful. So there's a lot of coaching on our side um, with 
I'd say 80% of our clients, but the the savvy investors, it's really pretty straightforward. Um, They know the routine. It just takes a while for them to give us the trust. And it usually takes 30 days. And they're like, okay, this is good. They are dependent on the touch points that we have. Um, They give us the quick answers. They put the money in there and we can just move forward with it. And it just flows so easily. Sure. Well, what about on the other side? What have you seen as some of the worst case scenarios? You just, it, it, this just wasn't a good fit for you. Oh, it wasn't a good fit for us. That's a really fun one. Usually it's, it's, it's personalities and we've had a, a rough couple of years, um, you know, humanity as a you know, total. So I think everybody's under a little extra stress right now. So everybody's kind of kicking the dog and, you know, when you're serving somebody, you're the dog. So we're getting a lot of kicks right now, but we're getting a lot of apologies, which is nice too. It means they still care about us. So a a lot of times it's just working through those conversations, getting past the emotions and saying, okay, like, what do you really need here? Okay. We can hear you. Um, Let's deliver these solutions. Let's, let's move forward with this. Like we don't have to be mad about this. Let's Let's find solutions. Let's move forward. We need options. That's it's pretty simple framework usually. What was your biggest learning experience so far as a property manager? Oh gosh. As a property manager, I think just being proactive and really staying on top of things, um, being able to anticipate other people's needs. Um, once you've seen a set pattern so many times, even when you don't realize that you're seeing this pattern, it starts to be you know, like a sixth sense that you say like an email comes through and you're like, Oh, this isn't right. Somebody's probably not gonna be able to pay me rent next month. Like you can just tell just the way that the emails, you know, come, you know, built out. So you start picking up on little things and it just becomes a second nature because you experience it on such a high volume. We have about 600 properties that we deal with. Um, So that that's a lot of exposure and experience that we're picking up on. And we don't always know that we're learning. It just happens so quickly. Mm -hmm. So is there a situation, like, can you give me an example of a bad tenant that you just couldn't believe it ever got that far? Um, yes. So usually it, it's, it, it really stinks because a lot of times when you have a bad tenant situation, it's because somebody did not respect the guide rails of, you know, the, the lease. Um, usually somebody says, well, Hey, um, my brother-in-law wanted this property or my friend's sister's cousin, they, they need this property. And it's like heartstrings instead of, uh, numbers and facts. And they're saying, well, their family's good. Like this is going to be great. But then they get into the property and things quickly go south. Like bills don't get paid. Um, the condition of the property goes to trash, uh, and, and things decline very quickly. And then they feel entangled in this emotional mess and, if they're not brave enough to let go and let the property manager step in and do what they need to do, they further go into debt. They further lose the property. That relationship that they've had before with this family is complete trash. So if you can just trust your property managers and let them reduce your risk, we can keep Mm -hmm. you out of these messes. Don't rent to your family and friends, people, please just don't do it. Uh, Always have a lease and um, just follow the lease. Cause when you don't, it's complete trash. It's useless. Yeah. No, that's one of the things that a property manager has saved me on. I, I'm a sap. I mean, if, if somebody's going to come to me directly, I need that buffer. Yes. Uh, Protect yourself, isolate yourself, or, you know, I I call it a cocoon. Like I want my cocoon to be in the back and, you know, don't, I don't want to hear the sad stories, the, the letters of stress, distress, because those numbers, those letters of distress don't help anybody 
in the long run, like they're just anchors pulling you down to the depths. Yeah. Some of the worst properties that we've had are that way. And it's somebody who's financially stressed, they're emotionally stressed and they have let go of the property. They really need a lot of social support and they're not getting it. And the house goes down. It's, it's very sad. And it's beyond what um, the typical investor, well, not the typical investor, but the typical like entry-level investor can handle just like the dollar signs on it, like a trash out, like the house, somebody stops paying for the utilities, the house quickly goes down. Like you can't even imagine how gross a house can get if somebody's water gets cut off, but they continue to use the plumbing or the AC in Charleston starts going out. um, And then the house starts kind of rotting from the inside out and the subfloors are kind of sinking through and you look next to the recliner and there's like, you know, a hundred cups of McDonald's sitting there and the dog kind of rummaging through it. Like that's, that's what um, emotions getting in the way of decisions can do is they can put you down this path to just destruction, totally off path. So give me an example of a situation where you've helped an investor, like turn a property around. Oh yeah. So we've had some properties like I was talking about where somebody's got into the property and within three months, things just went south. Like when you look at it with property management's eyes, you can tell that somebody quickly had it, got into a drug problem and everything just fell. They had their life together and just quickly it fell. So we've had a property where they had some pets and usually pets are fine. But in this case, at this point, something went south and um, the house smelled completely of urine and feces. I have never seen anything like this. The yard was just overgrown. So of course it's like perfect for fleas. We had to come in and basically uh, rip out all the carpets, do the, the peroxide, like sinking in, getting the urine out. Like we even had to do it in the garage. Like it was so mm. bad. That the smell from the garage was coming into the house. So like the subflooring, it, it was, it was a complete mess. So it was a trash out, um, a huge overhaul, we got the property back up and ready. It did take about six weeks, which is, that's a huge bummer, but um, the property is up and running. It's better than before because it was a house that was built in like the eighties. So it was a really nice reset for the house. It rents for more and we're moving forward in the relationship. It's great. We saved them. Uh, we took all that heavy lifting off of them because we had to go for a lot of vendors to find the right one that could actually handle that with the amount of stench in that house. It was crazy. Yeah, no, I've been there, but for a different a different reason. We had a we had a house that had a, the exact same situation where the 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 pets went rampant, and mm-hmm. I can't even tell you how much peroxide. And then we even used uh, some some sealant in order to to just get the yes. smell under control. It was it was unbelievable. Yes. This is one of the worst ones. I've been in some pet situations where you can smell the urine, but this one, um, yes, the peroxide and the sealant cleaning the subfloor, cleaning the slab, like, cause you know, some of the house had slab, like it was a garage. It was awful. I've never seen anything like it. And, um, there were some points where people were getting a little, uh, woozy in the house from all the fumes from mm-hmm. trying to clean it. So it was getting a little, it was rough yeah. walking out yeah. of there and freeze. You have to bomb your car. That's a fun time. Yeah. It's a, it's a punch in the face. I mean, when you walk in there, it's, it can be unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know you're going to walk into that. Like, yeah, the yard's not cut, but when you open the door, it's a whole new world. It's just like, you know, I don't know the end of the world apocalypse sort of situation. This house had fish tanks too. So there's another smell on top of that. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It was a nose like conflict. It was so horrible. Right. So, you know, it, like I, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of people 
you know, they try to self-manage themselves at first. What, what would you say if, if a person is going to choose to self-manage at least on their first property, what are a couple of the things they should definitely get in place in order to make sure it's, it's right. Done uh, you're going to want to read the lease and um, grab some leases, reach out to some property management companies, ask to review their leases and see what they look like and um, read through them and see if you can make kind of a timeline because it's, there's an annual cycle and there's a monthly cycle. And if you can kind of write that timeline out and know what to expect and know the touch points, you can be a lot more successful. So if you can kind of slap those things in your calendar and say, okay, um, this month is when I need to do a CMA to find out what my new rent is, you know, and then I approach them with this. I need to know if I'm going to go get a resign or if I'm going to go straight back to market, all those sort of touch points. Um, so that's a really good place to start. And then the other thing is you want to know that lease. So any hiccups that you have along the way, um, just about every section of that lease is a hiccup. So, and it tells you how to handle it. So you need to go get those people and create like a Rolodex. Do we say Rolodexes anymore? Like a list <laughs> in your drive of um, all your vendors that you're going to handle. Like you need to know who your electrician is, who your plumber is, because when you get that call, uh, Saturday at like one o'clock in the morning, who are you going to reach out to? You need to have these relationships established. You need to have these vendors vetted. You need to have their insurance on file. So the game plan needs to be built before you need it. When the phone call comes in, it's already too late. You don't need to be scrambling, especially if you already have another job. You can't treat it like a hobby. If you treat it like a hobby or perform like a hobby. So knowing those things, getting your team in line and knowing your objectives and what success looks like. I, I, that, that was a great line there. If you treat it like a hobby, it'll perform like a hobby. That, yep. that was, that was gold right there. You're welcome. No, this, this has been a great conversation. Um, you know, I wanted to point everybody to your website one more time, oaktrustproperties.com and uh, reach out to Janet and her team. Are, are you pretty much focused in your backyard or do you have, uh, do you do property mm -hmm. management outside of the Carolinas? So, yeah, right now we are really focused in the Charleston area. We are looking to grow. We're looking to follow some larger portfolios. So if you do have some portfolios that you're looking for management, we are set up to work in other areas with our back office set here in Charleston. So uh, we're always open for a conversation. So come on over, tell us what you're looking for and we can see how we can make it work. It's sure. all about the numbers. It's all about the numbers. Well, um, before I let you go, and I warned you it was coming, is there a question you wished I would have asked you here tonight? Hmm. That's a really good one. And you told me it was going to be a good one and I'm still not prepared. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> what's my favorite hobby? I don't know. What's your favorite hobby? I see a lot of art behind you. I definitely have every hobby. I'm not going to lie. So six months ago it was art. And um, I used to draw and paint when I was in school and high school, did a lot of graphic design. Now I've just started running. I decided I'm going to do a marathon in about two or three months. So well, that's my you. I've been devouring books last year. I doubled my um, hour intake on books from 150 to 300 for like business and self-development. So um, I'm definitely a dabbler and a deep diver on a lot of topics. Well, I'm and always looking for my next audio book. What, what should I listen to next? Right now I'm listening to an easy one. It's the road less stupid. Um, each chapter is about 10 minutes or less. Uh, so it's really easy to, you know, div divulge, like not divulge, um, digest. 
And then at the end of it, they sum it up in a bumper sticker. This guy's a little older. So he says bumper stickers and it's really cute. So it's just easy to handle. And it's all the way from um, managing people to uh, systems and processes, risk reward, just everything business. It's, yeah. it's a really great book, wide, wide range. Well, it, it sounds like, you know, a, a lot of the tips that you're pointing out here today kind of tie into that is the concept of making sure you have your processes and procedures in place and then actually stick to them. I am a process nerd. You cannot get anywhere without having processes. Yeah. If you have to make a decision based on every action presented to you, you will be exhausted and get nowhere. So try to remove as many um, possibilities and variants as possible. So your decision matrix is not like a wild oak tree bramble. I'd prefer it to be, you know, more like a a linear line than a hundred branches. Let's make this so, so with your art and now you're running, you know, it's, it sounds like you do a lot of things to, to frankly, I mean, I, I find that uh, some of that would be a lot of people would have would say that that's kind of their form of meditation. Is that what you're kind of using those types type of things at? 100%. So I do have a family. I have two boys. Um, one is seven and one is 11, my husband, and we all like to stay busy biking. Um, and I do work a lot. And my husband, uh, he's a manager of our family. Running a family, I'm not going to lie, it's like a business. Now that I am running a business, I know that. So we are always extremely busy. And sometimes I only get 10 or 15 minutes between eating dinner and putting the kids to bed. So I'll just walk over to the easel and just start doodling or drawing, painting. And that brings my level down. I don't know if you notice, I talk really fast. So I have to be really intentional about bringing my energy back down so we can have a calming evening. So yes, the meditation exercise is definitely meditation to wear my brain out and my body out. The same with the the art and the same with the reading. If I don't read, I can spiral out in some really weird places. So I try to control my mind by keeping it occupied. Like a no, I'm, I'm the I'm the same way. It's it's one of those you know uh, I I've, I've mentioned it before. I think is the fact that you know you hear you're you're the sum of the the people you hang out with the most. Absolutely. But I, I actually think the podcasts and audiobooks it's like like one of my people because mm-hmm. if I I need to constantly be feeding my brain with something like that. Otherwise, I I don't. It, it, it's a, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, I heard recently um, my dog had some issues, so we had to train them. And they say that, you know, your family is the animal's pack. But when you take them to like doggy daycare, because that's how swanky people are today, you take them to doggy daycare, that's their extended pack. And that's mm-hmm. how I feel about like the podcast and the people, the relationships you make online that you don't really get to see face to face. It's They're not really there in the same way that the people you connect with on a daily basis, but they are definitely bringing a lot of value to your life in a different way. There's not so, a success. Well, Janet, I really appreciate your time. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, so I hope you take me up on that invite. And uh, again, oaktrustproperties.com. I, I hope we'll chat again sometime. Sure. You can find us on LinkedIn as well. And we're on Facebook. And uh, if you're really interested, uh, you can go to TikTok and see what's going on over there. Oh, TikTok. I bet you do you oh, share yeah. some of these horror stories on TikTok. Not yet, but I definitely want to because we have some fun ones. We got the ghost stories and stories about the bees and just all the messes and the weird stuff that pop out. Oh, come on. Now you're teasing us. Ghost I know. stories. Ghost bee- Charleston. We're in one of the historical <laughs> cities. Of course we have ghosts. Okay. Yeah. You gotta, before we go, you got to share us one ghost story. Okay. So uh, we've had this property for, I don't know, it was probably five or seven years ago. 
And um, there was the owner had lived in this property and the husband had been terminally ill. And uh, we didn't really know the full breadth of the story. But when the residents moved in, we started getting some weird calls. They said, hey, like I keep hearing things. My baby is like talking to somebody in the middle of the night. Uh, We're hearing weird things in the attic. My watch and my phone keep going missing. And it sounds like there's like a phone ringing in the attic all these sorts of things. And they're like, whenever I go into this one room, like it just doesn't feel right. And that's one of them is like the, the husband ended up passing away in there um, and their phone did go missing and end up in the attic, which is really bizarro. But we've also had them where um, people have been uh, forced out of doorways and have actually had like bruises on them. Like they just walked through somewhere and all of a sudden they're like blasted out of the bathroom into the hallway wall. Yeah, it's really weird because you don't want to talk about these things. And when the people share these things, you can tell how guarded they are against it. It's usually a face-to-face conversation while you're inspecting mm-hmm. the property. So um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to hear about that and be like, is this real? Like, I can't believe you're really telling us this, but yeah, we have two or three houses that we do get those stories with, and we don't, we don't disclose it because you don't have to, and not everybody believes it. So, right. but I'm sure we could turn it into an Airbnb and get some extra money for the experience. <laughs> You know, that reminds me, like I had an uncle who did, uh, he had, he owned a professional cleaning service in a, in a bigger city. And, uh, there was a, there was a bar down there that claimed to be haunted. And then every once in a while he'd share a story, but one of them was that, uh, he would pull the, the bar seats away from the, from the bar to, to vacuum. And then one time he went back to the vacuum cleaner and when he turned around, all of the bar seats had been moved back. No, thank you. I'm out. I'm out. Definitely getting murdered tonight. We're out. No, thank you. Well, Janet, this was fun. I hope uh, we'll talk again sometime. But uh, again, Oak Trust Properties, find them on the socials. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, JD. I appreciate your time today and having me on the show. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.